Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I'm reading uh, out of the ESV. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. May God bless the reading, and may God bless us as followers of Jesus. Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 12. Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I'm reading uh, out of the ESV. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. May God bless the reading, and may God bless us as followers of Jesus. still going in the songs. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. Thanks to those who are at home online. Uh, We're just, we're thankful that we have this opportunity to to gather together. Uh, Let's go ahead and start this first song, and uh, let's stand if if you're able to. I start listening to Christmas music in November, and I'm not ashamed to say that. But uh, I love being able to sing these hymns this time of year as well. Let's sing together. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the of angels singing in exultation 
seated. I want to welcome you this morning and uh, just thank you again for, for being here, again, whether you're in person or online. want to uh, <clears throat> just want to remind us that we really have a special opportunity this morning to come together and to think about the incarnation, uh, the birth of the Son of God and what that really means for all of us, even today, thousands of years later. Um, so let's go ahead and bow as we continue our time of worship. Father God, as we come before your throne together as one body, we are so thankful to be reminded uh, that your son came to this earth, that he died for us. And that we can come to you, that we can come to our Father because of what he did for us, because of the life that he lived, because of so much that he gave up for us, and because of that sacrifice that he made. And as we continue this uh, series of reflecting on this idea of giving at this time of year, may we in turn think about what we might give so that others might see you and your glory as well. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Continue in singing together. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn is peace. 
Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy name fall on your knees oh hear the angel voices oh night divine oh night when Christ was born oh night divine oh night oh night divine Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I'm reading uh, out of the ESV. And he sat down up. Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I'm reading uh, out of the ESV. And he sat down up. All right, Sean Froese, can you uh, pull that back up, and I'll I'll read through our scripture. <laughs> there we go, that'll do. Mark twelve forty one through forty four, and he sat down opposite the treasury. 
and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich persons put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make up a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, and has put in everything she had, all she had, to live on. Thank you, Sean and Kyle. Sean, it's all right. I get choked up when I read that passage, too. And so uh, we've, had, we've had some issues with our uh, presentation computer not always liking the video files that we put on it. And we had one issue this morning where the, the video would play. Sean's voice sounded beautiful. It would play the whole reading, but Sean was about 10 seconds behind his own voice. And so uh, we swapped out the video file, and now it doesn't want to play the whole thing. So... Uh, that's okay. Thank you, Kyle, for stepping in there at the last second. Um, we are continuing a series that Kyle started last week, this series on the idea of us imitating God in our giving. And Kyle talked last week about God giving out of his abundance, because God doesn't really have another state of being. God is abundant. Everything that exists comes from God. There, There is no no thing in this universe that can exist apart from him. And so uh, it's, it's hard for us to imagine God giving out of poverty. Uh, it, he has to give out of his abundance in order for us to receive. And so then when we think about that, it can be difficult for us to place ourselves in that position. How do we then give out of abundance? Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't feel particularly abundant. Uh, I look at what I have, I look at the, the uh, way in which our world exists, and I think whatever I may have is not enough. There's no amount that I can give that is going to fix anything sometimes it feels like. It can be overwhelming if we consider all of the troubles in our world, all of the poverty that exists, all of the individuals who are struggling medically, financially, spiritually, who are struggling with, with so many things, how do we give in a way that blesses them or makes an impact or changes? And then I think about this, this passage that comes in the book of James. And this is one that pops into my head all the time when I, whenever I think that I've you know, come across something really good in my life and, hey, you know, look what I've done for myself. I've built up a little collection of stuff, um, uh, some extra money. I have this little nest egg I've put together. And I start thinking really highly of myself and how I've managed my affairs so well to be in this position now. And then I'm reminded, again, of this, this verse that comes in James chapter 1, verse 16. It should actually say 18 as well. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. When we read the Bible, we look back to the beginning. We know that all things that are here are here as a result of God's will. And then we look at our salvation and we know that we have been recreated by God and his will. And then we're also told by James that everything good that we can find in our lives, if we can point to it and say, this is a good thing, that came from God as well. And if God has been faithful to give in the past good things, and I can recognize those good things, should I not be assured that God is going to continue to provide the good things that I need? If he was good enough to create me in the first place, good enough to provide me with salvation and make me a part of the first fruits of his new creation, shouldn't I be confident that even in these moments where I find myself feeling woefully inadequate, God is going to continue to give what I need. And then I think, I think based on this passage, back to the reading that we had this morning from the Gospel of Mark. And I want to pop the, the statement from Jesus up on the screen here. Truly I say to you, 
This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is a challenging passage. We, we all really like it. I mean, everybody I know that reads this passage is you know, moved by this act of charity on the part of the woman who has so little but is giving so greatly. We're all moved by it, but I don't know if we often consider ourselves, you know, how do we, how do we then emulate that giving? How do we give in the same way that this widow who gives in a praiseworthy, from the mouth of Jesus himself, gives in a praiseworthy way ourselves? How do we give like this widow? I don't know necessarily that I'm going to have the exact answer for you this morning. I have a few answers that I'd like to share with you, and uh, I think appropriately for the Christmas season, I I want to talk about uh, two pieces of um, Christmas media paraphernalia, uh, things along those lines, stuff that has to do with and pertain to Christmas that I think maybe serves as instructive examples of what giving in the way that the widow gives is like. And the first one of these, I have to tell you, you know, as a kid growing up in the Church of Christ, you know, we, uh, we had, you know, very clearly uh, reminded to us on a regular basis that we worship a cappella because God doesn't delight in, in instrumental music. And I've got lots of thoughts on that. Uh, but the thing that would come on every year, and they don't show it on network television anymore, but... It used to be on every single year. You could go and find it. It was the little drummer boy. And as a good Church of Christ kid, I remember growing up thinking, oh man, that movie. Not only did he not have a gift to bring to Jesus, but then he thought that the appropriate gift was a drum solo? What in the world? Oh man, ah, so lacking in thought. As I've grown older, you know, uh, I still balk at the claymation quality of it. It's not the highest quality production. Uh, They're really herky-jerky and there's better stuff out there. But the song, over the years, has grown on me. Um, I used to groan at the song. Now I have grown into appreciating and loving the song as it is uh, today. And, And a lot of that has to do with the meaning behind it. Now, you have to keep in mind, this is a song written by a musician, Someone whose gift in life, uh, the, the way in which they have been blessed, is, is an abundance of musical creativity. And they sat down and they wanted to write this stirring and emotional thought on, you know, what, what would I be able to give? What do I have that I could present to Christ that would be my offering to him? Now, I don't know for sure that this is the case, but like many struggling actors and musicians and such, I'd imagine there wasn't a whole lot of money to rub together. And so the thought was, well, I can't buy him something extravagant. I'm not going to be bringing him the gold to the manger. Uh, I could write him a song. I could write him a song. And if I were a child, maybe I'd, I'd, you know, I'd play him my instrument that I'd just learned. And I'd, I'd walk into the manger and I'd, I'd show him my appreciation through the talents he's given to me. And it's a, it's a silly kind of cartoon. You have, you know, these, these uh, kind of apocryphal background stories. It's sort of like Ben-Hur for children, you know, this one individual that has an encounter with Jesus that we're not reading about in Scripture, but it changes his life in some magnificent way. This story has kind of changed for me over the years. Because I often find myself feeling very awkward as I approach God. What am I going to give to him? What do I have that will enrich God? In light of the fact that everything he's given to me, he has given out of his abundance. Whatever great amount of stuff or blessings or talent or abilities or knowledge or, or relationships I have in my life, they all came from him in the first place, and now I find myself wanting to give something back to him. But like C.S. Lewis says, it's kind of like when a child goes and asks their father for six pence so that they can go and buy him a Christmas present. 
and then give him that Christmas present back. And really, the father's not enriched by the money, by the new gift he's been given. Nobody walks away from the transaction with more material wealth. And yet there's a beauty to the child's gift to the father that is really just giving back what the father gave him in the first place. What can I give him? What can I give to God? How do I give in a way that Jesus looks and says he gave so much more? What do I give? The uh, second example I want to share with you is a poem that I've, I've grown to really love. It's by Christina Rossetti. Uh, it comes from, I think, 1881. And it's a, it's a strange poem. If you go and read it, you're going to find yourself uh, very, maybe put off initially, because it begins, it talks about, in the bleak midwinter, frosty min- wind made moan, the earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone, snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long, long, long ago. And then the second verse goes into uh, the idea of, of God in heaven being uncontainable by heaven and the earth being insufficient to sustain him. And contrasting that with the manger scene in which this small infant child is being nursed by his mother, the creator being nursed by the creation. And this intimacy that happens there. And the final verse of the poem is, is the thing that catches me off guard most. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. And this has become a, a Christmas meditation for me, this, this reminder that There is very little I have that God can't possess on his own. That God just can't take for himself. There's nothing outside of creation, or rather in creation, that is not within the grasp of God. If he wants it, he can have it, and if it doesn't exist, he can bring it into existence. But of all the things that exist in creation that God has said, it's not mine just to take, It's us. It's our hearts. God has chosen to reserve our ability to give ourselves to him. And that's a humbling thought. God has said, it's your choice. I can have whatever I want. But you get to decide if you are mine and I am yours. And I think back to this, this widow woman, this woman with a small couple of coins, and I think that her understanding of her relationship to her creator is such that she recognizes what James has said. Whatever you have has been given to you by God in the first place. All the wealth, all the monetary gain, all of the the gifts you have been given, giving them back to him, it's it's a beautiful action. It's an activity, a, a, a practice of affirming your belief that he is sufficient to sustain you. But what he wants most is not your money, but your willingness to give all of yourself to him. So like you, I find myself on a regular basis wondering, what can I give to God? This year especially, it's been a, a strange year. I want to I tell you, as a congregation, I'm really proud of what we were able to do in the last week and a half. We uh, kind of got in a little bit behind the ball uh, with the, the gift boxes, the food boxes that are being distributed. Uh, we had set a goal of 30, thinking, you know, it's kind of last minute, short notice. We're not sure if we're going to be able to, to do a whole lot more than that. And I don't, I don't know the exact final number. Lorinda and I disagree. It's over 40, but it's under 50, 
It's at least 43, I think. She says she thinks it's more than that. Um, We dropped them off, and now we can't count them, so that's unfortunate. But in a week and a half's period of time, we managed to surpass our expectations. And, And I'm proud of our congregation for the willingness to do that. This has been a year where giving in that kind of way has been a little bit difficult. The ability to to pass off physical goods has been somewhat limited by the restrictions that have been placed on us. Our ability to come here and distribute things out of our building has been a little bit hindered. Uh, we have we have our uh, clothing closet that Shirley's been running, and we've been able to resume giving out those clothes. We uh, have our non-food pantry, and on an as-needed basis, we've been able to provide some of those material goods. But having people show up at the building without without knowing exactly how we're going to receive them has been a difficult thing. And I found myself distressed. We aren't, in my mind, we're not giving enough. What more can we give? How can we give? What do I have to give him? But I think what, what we're called to do is to stretch ourselves to begin with that recognition that whatever good thing we have came from him in the first place, give that away willingly. And then when we find ourselves in poverty, to give even more. What can I give him? Poor as I am. I want to challenge us as we move into this Christmas season where we are, in many cases, giving a lot of things. Uh, You know, our house, we're we're super excited about all the presents that we've wrapped and put under the tree. The kids are going to get to see them soon. Micah, I'm not going to give any of them away, so don't don't think that that's going to happen. we, we got all excited about the wrapping of these gifts this year. You know, uh, back when I was preaching on Revelation, I got a seal, a wax seal, so that I could make the scroll. And, you know, it was unnecessary and superfluous, and I only showed the scroll for like 10 seconds. But then I realized I could use this to seal my Christmas cards this year. And we decided to go, like, rustic on our wrapping paper, and we chose brown paper packages tied up in string, and then I wax-sealed each one of the strings. And, you know, it's, it's this super exciting thing, and I'm not going to burst out in song like I'm Julie Andrews, don't worry. Uh, we've got these gifts piled under our tree, and we're excited about giving those. But then I find myself also wondering what else... What else am I missing? It's good that my children will receive gifts. It's very good that my wife will receive gifts. Uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad. I'm excited. I'm going to get gifts. But I wonder, in our giving to those that we're closest to, are we missing, missing people who are in need that we could be giving to as well? And it's great that I have the money to buy these gifts for people. I'm blessed. God has given me more than I need so that I can then bless others in my own family and outside my own family with material goods. Would I be as generous in my giving if I had less? If I had more, would I be as generous as I am now? These are the questions that I've found, especially in recent years, this time of year draws out of me. Do I give because I have? Or do I give because it makes me feel good? Or do I give because I want to bless somebody? Do I give because I recognize that God has already given to me? And these are questions we have to ask ourselves. What motivates are giving. And I think there comes a point at which we recognize if I'm giving my heart, the answer to all of those questions is a little bit more clear. If I have given God my heart, the gifts that I will give to my family may look wildly different. If I'm giving my heart to God, the way in which I distribute what I have is going to look wildly different. And I may end up finding myself 
feeling scarce for a moment. But is the scarcity, the poverty, the fear of not having enough outweighed by my allegiance to God? I can't tell you how much you need to give. I can't tell you uh, that there's a specific dollar amount that Jesus is looking for. If, you know, the, the Gospel of Mark is any indicator, a uh, couple of mites might be just enough. But what I can tell you is this. If we reframe our thinking, if we are formed into the image of Christ, if we are willing to recognize that whatever we have came from God in the first place, maybe our giving looks different. Maybe it's a little more reckless. Uh, I know that's kind of a dangerous word to say nowadays in a theological context. But I think maybe we we become less self-preserving in our giving. I want to challenge us this year and as we move forward to reframe our giving not around how much can I give not around uh, how how much do I need to give but around this simple thought if if this was the laudable act of giving. Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. If that is the laudable marker of giving, I have a little less back padding to do for myself. kind of a sour note to end a sermon on, (laughs) but this is where I want to leave us with this morning. God has given us abundantly what we have. God has given us beyond anything we deserve. His giving, his offering, what he has presented to us, the breath in our lungs, the life that we live, the people in our lives, the material blessings that we have, all of that has come from God. If we give in a way that makes us a little fearful. Are we going to give to a point where he stops giving to us? I think the answer is no. That God continues to give to us that which we need. That God continues to bless us in ways that we couldn't expect or imagine. And they may look very different. The blessings that God gives to us may take on different forms. They may look wildly different. You may not have been blessed abundantly with wealth, but you've been blessed with talent, time, abilities, with relationships in your life, positioning in which you can work to further the kingdom of God. Give those things. Find ways in which to invest your time the time that God has given you beyond what you think is reasonable because there's not a lot of reasonableness to the way that we're supposed to give. I think we're supposed to give unreasonably. This woman doesn't show a whole lot of restraint in her giving. What's she going to do? How's she going to go buy her bread? I imagine the disciples are looking at this and they're like, Jesus, you understand what she's done here, right? She doesn't know where her next meal's coming from and she gave away the farm. Well, the two coins. That's the lesson. Give, not necessarily knowing what the next step is. I want to pray really quick before we wrap up our sermon this morning. Our Father in heaven, you have given us so much to think about in Scripture on giving. You have told us uh, time and time again what you have given to us. You have reminded us what you've given us. You have shown us uh, in, in covenants. You have shown us in, in words and poetry in the Old Testament. We, we see, Father, in the New Testament, your apostles talking about the, the blessing of eternal life that you have given to us. Father, we see it most of all in your Son and the way that he lives an abundant life 
despite living a life that is not particularly wealthy. And we want to live like that. We want abundant life. A life that is focused on other people and the blessing that we can be to them, on making the kingdom a reality in the lives of the people that we encounter, on giving up ourselves so that others might come to know the reality of your goodness. And Father, we we sometimes find ourselves asking the wrong question, the question that we ask, how much should I give? Help us to reframe that as, what more do I have to give? And then help us to give that too. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and for the way that he instructs us through his life, his death, his resurrection, through his eternal enthronement on high, the, the orientation that we receive to life in your kingdom through him. It's all this that we pray in his name. Amen. So this morning, again, reframing the question, what, what can I give to him? What do I have to give? How much should I give? Let's turn that a little bit. What, what more can I give? And I think about the words of the Apostle Paul. And this is, uh, this is bringing it home this morning. In Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered loss. The loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, coming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What can I give him? Paul says, I gave everything. I counted it all loss. Whatever may have been gain, whatever good thing I had, whatever I counted as something that was was lifting me up, I counted it as loss. And what did I gain as a result of that? What do I gain as a, a matter of giving away, giving up all the things that I might have counted as a blessing or a title or recognition worthy? Christ. I gained his resurrection. So this morning, as we get ready to give this season, as we get ready to go and be with our families, be within our community, to bless the people around us as we see need, as we see opportunity, what do we give? Give it all. Give everything you have. Give up all the good for something so better. What can I give him? I give him myself. I give him my heart. Because that's what he gave to me. I invite you this morning to reflect on that idea as we continue in our worship. We're going to stand and sing and Kyle will uh, lead us in worship further this morning. Thank you, Chris. Sometimes I think about some of the songs we sing, like this one. It's, it's hard to actually say that this is always true for me, but I think it's also something we can aspire to. Let's sing together. 
All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power. Let Thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all. I surrender This is also a song I, I mean, it's really not normally considered like a Christmas song, but this song always kind of reminds me of that because it reminds us of why Jesus came, why this story happened. So we'll be uh, reflecting on this as we prepare our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper. Why did my Savior come to earth and to the humble go. Why did he choose a lowly birth? Because he loved me so. He loved me so. He loved me so. He gave his precious life for me, for me, because he loved me so. Why did he drink the bitter cup of sorrow, pain, and woe? Why on the cross be lifted up because he loved me so he loved me so he loved me so he gave his precious life for me for me because he loved me so till jesus comes i'll sing his praise and then to glory go and reign with him through endless days because he loved me so. He loved me so. 
precious life for me, for me, because he loved me so. Amen. So this time of year, we obviously talk a lot, think a lot about the birth of Jesus. And when Isaiah foretold the birth of Jesus, he referred to him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. So the thought I'd like to present today um, is in regards to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. So we know the story on the night he was born. And uh, of course Luke gives a pretty good account of that. So. His mother gave birth, and then she placed him in the manger. Then nearby, out in the fields, there were the shepherds tending to their flocks. And it was the angel that appeared to them and announced the birth of Jesus, as foretold by Isaiah. And of course, you know, the, this angel appears to them, and then there's this great company of the heavenly host. So these shepherds, we know they did not have smart devices. They couldn't record the event. So we have their eyewitness account in our imaginations. Um, so I don't know what you think about, but... Um, this great company of the heavenly host, I, I imagine that there were like thousands of these angels in a brilliant setting. And of course, they're saying glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Of course, we know that quote, we, we've heard it all our lives. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So that's the, the King James Version, but in the NIV and some of the other uh, translations, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So peace on earth, but then there's, we either have goodwill or favor to men, to human beings, to people, men and women. And I, it seems to me that what these angels are referring to here in favor and goodwill, they're introducing the concept of grace. So we're talking here possibly about unmerited favor, um, undeserved favor, undeserved goodwill from God. That's what this, this Jesus is going to bring to the world, to all, all men, all humans, all people, mankind. So now Paul confirms, this is the night Jesus, now this is the night Jesus was born. After Jesus has lived in and return to heaven, then Paul, in his letter to the Romans, confirms that, yes, in fact, this grace and peace has come. So in Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access 
by faith into the grace in which we now stand. So this is what the Prince of Peace brought us according to Paul, um, grace and peace, justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So on the so on the on the night of his birth, the angels announced this birth and this grace and peace that's coming. And on the night he was betrayed, he established the Lord's Supper, the communion. The Prince of Peace. So he took the bread and he took the cup. He gave thanks. This is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we prepare to take of the bread, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father, for the peace that he has brought us. Thank you for the grace that he has brought us through his death on the cross. We thank you now, Father, for his body and for this opportunity to partake of this bread and participate in his body. It's in his name we pray. Let's pray for the cup. Our Father in heaven, again we come before you, um, thanking you for the, our Prince of Peace, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made on, his, on the cross, for the blood that he shed for us. And thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit that has been poured out and for the uh, hope that we have for eternity with you in heaven through Jesus. Thank you for grace and peace. It's in his name. Reminder, of course, of our ways to give, as Chris has reminded us this morning. We have one more song before uh, our closing prayer and, and thoughts. Beautiful Star of Bethlehem. <clears throat> A beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving a light for those who long have gone. And guiding the wise men on their way Unto the place where Jesus lay Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on O oh, 
beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine upon us until the glory dawns, and give us the light to light the way into the land of perfect day. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. O beautiful star, the hope of light, guiding the pilgrims through the night, over the mountains till the break of dawn. And into the land of perfect day, it will give out a lovely ray. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, Shine on, O beautiful star of Bethlehem. The glory dawn, and give us the light to light the way into the land of perfect day. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. O beautiful star, the hope of rest, for the redeemed, the good, the blessed, yonder in glory where the crown is won. For Jesus is now the star divine, brighter and brighter he will shine. Beautiful star of shine on. O beautiful star of Shine upon us until the glory dawn, and give us the light to light the way into the land of perfect day. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Amen. morning everybody I'm actually not doing the closing um, but uh, I know in light of the sermon this morning you may be thinking a little bit differently but I literally just contacted Chris last night uh, about making this announcement so this is not coordinated in any way whatsoever and also I have it written down because my thoughts and words kind of tend to go all over the place so I wrote it down so forgive me for not looking up at you as I speak but uh, this is from uh, my family and, and I in our heart, all right? Uh, so greetings, greetings, church family. Our family would like to thank all of you for the encouragement, the questions, and prayers. As many of you know, we have recently had great news. Argentina will be opening up this spring, and so what has been a question mark uh, to this point is now a go for us uh, and our family. We will be heading down uh, to Buenos Aires in early spring for our year-long mission. So praise God for that uh, with us. We are so excited for this. Uh, we cannot do this alone. And uh, so we appeal, we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, for your financial help. Uh, we have a year-end goal to raise $10,000 of one-time gifts. Uh, this is not just a mission that is our family and God. This is also the New Church of Christ and Jesus' mission as we head down there to spread the gospel. Uh, we will be contacting each of you uh, to let you know more about the work that is being done in Buenos Aires, our financial goals, and how God has used COVID to create a, a primed mission field uh, because it's there. Trust us. It is there. Um, please continue to pray with us as we all prepare uh, for this exciting um, adventure. We're, we're very excited to be in this work together. Thank you. Uh, I want to also bring to your attention, uh, we've mentioned this a couple times, but one of our, our goals as a staff as we were meeting, and can jump back to that slide, one thing we're really trying to encourage, especially this month, is for everyone in our congregation to be sending cards, or you could also you know, do phone calls if you'd prefer that, but sending cards of encouragement 
to each other. Um, and of course, people outside of our, our family here, but especially to those who might need an extra dose of encouragement. You know, you might sit down um, as a family and think, look through uh, your directory and think who could really use some encouragement in light of how isolated we all have been uh, for the past uh, many months. So, of course, if you have your own stationery, you can uh, use that. Uh, if you would like some provided, this week on the back table there are some stacks of cards and some directories laid out that you can take and take home uh, so that you can write some cards. And if you, uh, if you also need help with stamps, come by the office, um, uh, you, call us so that we are, we are sure we're there, and we can help provide some stamps too um, if you need that. But we really want to encourage all of us this month to be thinking about one another and to be making sure that um, no one is feeling lonely or isolated. So find, find a time this week and uh, this month, every week, to be sending some cards uh, to one another. Also, I forgot to announce this last week, um, but my family every fall does uh, a big apple cider press from our trees that we have, and my, my parents still have like uh, 50 or 60 gallons to get rid of. So if you'd like to uh, purchase some apple cider, uh, talk to my, my mom or dad, and uh, the, the money for that goes to the, the youth fund as well, so uh, a, good, a good cause and some good cider. I believe that's all that we had uh, for announcements this morning, uh, so we'll close in prayer. Next week, we hope to have, uh, you know, normally every year we try